So you will have a meaningful life if you if you have the following things in your life. Now, it's difficult to get them. I'm not saying it's not. Have some kind of purpose. That's really important. Now, whatever that might be, it can be any job at all, actually, will help others in various ways. Have some kind of purpose. Do something that the world needs. And again, that can be anything too, right? Number three, make sure you get paid for it because that's got to, you know, keep the wolf from the door territory as well. And if you, if you get those three, and then number four, actually, in the Ikigai thing is uh, do something you're good at. Now, that's a tricky thing to find, but if you're young, you'll eventually find some skill you've got. It can be anything. If you're a musician, for example, you're really good at that. You've got to play that music. It's almost like a compulsion. You know, the world needs music. You will get paid for it. And the purpose is to enhance people's lives. And if you have all that, you will get great meaning in your life. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarko.com. I'm really delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Luke O'Neill, who is Ireland's probably best known scientist at the current time and has been a real advocate for science and curiosity and creativity. I'm really delighted to have you here on the podcast, Luke. Very happy to be here, Mark. Looking forward to our chat. Now, I, I met Luke. Um, I've been an admirer of Luke's for, for many years, but um, I mean, I met him playing with his band, The Metabolics, at a function right? a few months ago. <laughs> oh, there you have it now. You're, you're a victim of our band then. That's great to hear. And I must say, I thought you were absolutely brilliant. Oh, you're and really If anyone out there is looking to get a great band um, for, for a party or for a, for a function, I couldn't recommend them highly enough. I thought they were superb. Right. Led, led, of course, I, by I'm Luke. Not, and I'm not paying Mark to say that. I want to make that clear. <laughs> oh, no, Absolutely. So, Luke, I mean, obviously, uh, you're, you're a scientist. Uh, you're, you're, you've got a great passion for science. You know, how do we encourage our, our young people to engage with science going forward? I think, of course, you can open the door, Mark. I mean, in my, I'm sure you, you, you agree in my experience. Young, young people love science, you know. Get, get them when they're young is one thing. They love dinosaurs and the universe and all sorts. You know, and one thing I've learned over the past, I suppose, 30 years is there's an open mind there in young people, you know. So all you need to do is tell them, talk to them, encourage them, you know, and then, and then they will follow you in a way. I think what happens is sometimes in secondary school, they lose their way a bit and they get distracted or 
and you can't be an inspirational teacher because that, that, that can have a huge effect on, on young people as well. So it's really just about encouragement. I think. In other words, it, it's built into them to be curious about the world, let's face it. And that's probably evolution and action, by the way, that they're evolved to be curious. And then you just try to try to encourage that really is, is the key thing, I think. Mm, I think that's something you do so well. And I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we need teachers can be so yeah, inspirational essential. for young people yeah. and, exactly. and really, really encourage them. I suppose, Luke, you know, we're kind of coming out of COVID and in many ways, you know, I, I think of it, you know, as, as a family doctor. I mean, it was such a, a paradigm changer, such a disruptor in so many ways. You could even describe it as a kind of a black swan event, something that was maybe, you know, perhaps unexpected, unknowable or, or maybe not. I mean, what, what, would, what would you say about COVID now coming out the other end of it? What are the main lessons? Well, well, for years, as you know, Mark, I presume, epidemiologists were predicting it. There, there was always a fear of a pandemic, you see. Yes. And we thought it'd be flu. That, that was the one we worried about, you know, and mm -hmm. there had been the swine flu again, as you would know. So so the thought was a virus will jump. It'll go into humans. It'll start a pandemic. And the thought was flu. The surprise was coronaviruses. And that, that had been predicted as well, by the way, by a few people. But I didn't see that coming. You know, no, nobody really said to me, oh, there's a risk from coronaviruses. We'd seen SARS and MERS, of course, but but they were easily containable because they, they were mainly spread through sym sym symptomatic spread. The single defining feature of COVID was asymptomatic spread. That was the most really malign aspect in terms of how it got around the world so quickly, you know. So I think we've learned these pandemics crop up. They crop up every 10 years or so, you know, seems to be at the moment for whatever reason. So, of course, now what we've learned is get ready for the next one. And there's an awful lot of pandemic preparedness happening. The EU is funding research into this uh, to prepare ourselves for the next pandemic. The trouble is, as you said, it's a, such a there is a black swan element to it. Very hard to predict when it's going to happen. So it's yet another thing we have to kind of concern ourselves with. That's quite hard to pin down, you know. Yes, and as Epictetus, the philosopher, talks about, you know, there are things that are within our control and things that aren't. And I suppose worrying about what may or may not come or happen. It's very much out of our control to an extent, but what is in yeah. our own control is our own kind of lifestyle habits and our own sort of health, as it were. So what advice would you have, Luke, for people to keep their immune systems in tip top shape? Yeah, there's lots of research on this, of course, I mean, mm. which is a good part. You want evidence for these things, don't you? You know, um, and we know, for example, a good night's sleep is really important. There's even studies showing a bad night's sleep. The next day, there's a third less, you know, uh, lymphocytes, natural killer cells, immune cells in your blood. That just shows you you're a third weaker after a bad night's sleep. Now, why is that? We, it's probably hormonal. There's something going on there with the stress as well. And that's the stress part. Again, as you would know, Mark, things like cortisol, big mm. negative on the immune system. Low-grade stress will, in fact, suppress immunity. You know, So again, de-stress is key. And whatever you can do to de-stress is, is, is the essence. It can be anything. Go you know, read a book spend time with friends, whatever, whatever suits you. Really. Uh, diet, as ever, inevitably, we know well that a bad diet damages the immune system. Malnutrition is a huge negative. One reason why Africa is often besieged with infectious diseases is because of malnutrition. You know, So a good diet is really important as well. And then the fourth one is exercise, of course. And again, good evidence after a good bout of exercise. Your NK, a key cell type is called the natural killer cell, and, and that goes up after exercise. You know, and They're viral virally infected attacking cells so all those things are are pretty standard and we've got evidence to back them up really you know yeah i mean i call exercise the greatest pill of all it really is so good for our, our physical mental and emotional yeah. well-being and 
if you get out in in nature, Luke, that's like for yeah. me, that's like exercise squared. It compounds all the benefits. I mean, yeah. wh- what are your thoughts on fighting sides and and those health boosting chemicals from nature? Well, literally this morning, Mark, I'm looking at science the whole time. I'm obsessed with it, as you know. This yeah. morning, another big study showing getting out in nature is really good for you. Now, we know this anyway. You don't need to be an immunologist to say that, do you? But the truth of it is a walk in a forest or a walk by the sea or whatever it is, for some reason, being in that natural world is beneficial. Now, it could be a de-stressor. Of course, that's one thing that's a possibility mm. here. Yeah. But as you correctly point out, if you walk through a forest, you're inhaling various natural botanicals really you know and they're probably going to have some beneficial effect on your system as well so so whatever the basis for it is scientifically it's a good thing to do and all the evidence supports that you know? they seem to say now try and spend about two hours a week over the entire week yeah. in nature to boost boost your immune system and boost 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 your overall well-being i want to look back for a moment luke because i think one of the things i really admire about you is uh your openness which which isn't common amongst uh i think irish men and and i know you've spoken about some tough times when you were a younger um person your mum's early passing yeah. being one of those and i think you had challenges with your mental health at one stage as well am i right in saying that i did i did indeed and that, that was in my book um Never mind, as we call it for short, you see. So mm. there was a chapter on that. And I thought it was an opportunity just to say to people, everybody can get down, you know. Yes. And ha- ha- having depression can, can be as extremely common as we know. So I thought, here, here's a chance for me to talk about my experience. And that might encourage people to get help, because I certainly got a bit of help. I was lucky, Mark, in that it was mild enough. I mean, I, did, I didn't have to stop work or anything. But certainly, I'd, I'd, I'd awful sort of a insomnia. My, my diet went, you know, the usual marker mm. that you'd be well aware of, you know. And I knew there's something wrong here. This isn't good. And a lack of enjoyment of things I would otherwise enjoy. And what brought it on actually was that a health scare. This is back in 1996. There was a hint of neurological problems. Didn't know what it was. I went to see a neurologist and, and it was mild enough, but still it kind of shook me. Now it turned out to be nothing in the end. And, and that happened at the same time as my first son was born. And there's pressure there as well. You see. Of course. The, the third factor was I was building a lab and my career was getting going and there were obviously stressors there. I think there was the three of those came together really and kind of got to me. And then luckily enough, I went to see my GP, uh, very useful, and put me on SSRIs, which turned out to be great. A uh, bit of talk therapy as well. And within mm-hmm. about three or four months, I came out of it. I'll never forget uh, that the morning, I was on holidays, actually, my mother-in-law and my wife and my newborn baby, we went to Spain. And I, I, I suddenly enjoyed the sun bouncing off the sea, you know? And yes. I went, oh, that's a nice feeling again. I haven't had that for a few months, you know? And as, as you know, you lose the, the sense of joy and things as a big sea. Absolutely. Talk about the relief when I began to come out of it then was remarkable, you know? So I thought it was important. It gave me a chance to talk about that. And then the science behind it, that, that chapter in the book talks about mental health and, 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 and neurotransmitters in the brain and all that kind of thing, you know? And of course, if you personalize something, people might, might, might pay attention. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm trying to communicate mm. these things. So that's why I spoke about it really, and that's Well, I think that's great because I think everybody has has mental health, just as everybody has physical health, and people yep. can have ups and downs during life. And and of course, there are so many people now suffering from you know whether it's toxic stress or anxiety or or, or mood issues and depression. And a problem shared is a problem halved. It's good yeah. to get help. Oh, definitely. And that was the message. To, as you you would spend this message as well, I'm sure. Just ask for help. It's no different than having a cold. Or the flu or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, you know, your brain has caught the flu, kind of, you know, 
So therefore, go and get a bit of help. And there is help out there. As you know, the great thing is, is there's help to be had. You know, there are some reasonably good meds. Because we'd love to see, in that chapter of my book, um, I talk about how the immune system might be able to off-kill oh, during depression as well. So it'd be great to get better treatments, wouldn't it? You know? But certainly Excellent. there are treatments that work a bit. And then you can't be talking. And, and it's okay to go and talk to a therapist. That can be easier than talking to a loved one because the loved one mm. feels guilty. You know that you are down and they're going to help you. So you can't be having a, having a third party or a good friend, of course, as well. You know? Absolutely. Somebody who's going to be objective and who's going to maybe encourage and challenge you to see things a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. I think exactly. that's where CBT can really come into its own. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also important. If you are trying to unburden yourself with a loved one, that can be difficult. Mm. As I say, they might feel a bit guilty. You feel guilty or tell them. And the conversation mightn't be optimal, shall we say, you know? Whereas if you go to a third party who's supportive, that, that, that seems to work a bit better. And Luke, how do you stay healthy now? What are your main health practices? Oh, good Lord. Now, if I talk about that, Mark, you'd be horrified. I don't really take much exercise. Having said that, I walk everywhere. Good. Often at pace, I've noticed. You know, my heart good. rate when I walk. You know, that's my main exercise, really. Well, but walking that, walking, walking is medicine, as we know. Very much. And especially if you get your heart, as you know, you said, if you get your heart yes. rate up. A good 20, 25-minute walk. When you get your heart rate up a bit, that, that's a great way to exercise, really. And I've, every day, I, I kind of do that, I suppose. And I'm, I'm kind of aware of that. That's a good thing to do. I'm always in a hurry because I come from one thing to another. Um, the second thing, just try to de-stress. It's so important. Again, I think stress is the big modern crisis, let's face it, isn't it? You know, So you've got to find what you like to do you know, and try to do some of that whenever you get a chance. And, 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 and the big one is for me, Mark, um, achieve flow. I love that concept. You know? yes. If you can get your mind into a state where you're not worrying, that's very beneficial. And maybe you're in a choir, maybe you're in a book club, maybe you're watching a movie, whatever it is, just get into that flow state. And, and lots of science, again, supports the flow state being very beneficial, you see. So they're the main things I do. Mm, I mean, I think Chick Sent Me High was brilliant. You know, the the idea of flow, you know, pe- you know pe- peak performance in the zone, yeah. as it were. In the zone, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose the more we can allow ourselves to recharge from stress, yeah. It, it will it will allow us to be really in the flow when we're on. Yeah, there's some very good stuff I've seen recently on different neurotransmitters in your brain mm. and how you can naturally get them a bit higher. You know, things like oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin. We know your mood is a combination of those neurochemicals, really. You know, now again, it, it's too complicated to state it in such simple terms, but there's certainly more and more evidence for this. So, for example, if you want to boost your oxytocin, pet a dog, for example, you know. Yes, I've got a great few slides on this, but what, what to do to increase oxytocin. And there's five or six things you can actively do yourself, you know, yes. the exercise, the big one, the exercise will boost some of these as well. But there's various things we can do to, to, to rebalance that neurotransmitter. Now, remember, we're evolved for this to change the whole time. We're meant to have moods because if we'd one mood the whole time, you'd be eaten by a lion. You know, it's yes, so, <laughs> it's, okay, it's OK to be anxious. It's OK to be uptight. It's OK to be threatened. Mm. That's the natural order of things. The trouble is that, that becomes chronic. And you get, I love, I love a great phrase, I love Mark, is one of you two songs, stuck in a moment you can't get out of. Yes. That's really what depression and those things are. You get stuck yes. in one and you can't get out. Whereas normally yes. your moods are varying through the day, you know, and your activities will regulate those moods. So, so never forget it. It's kind of in your hands, hopefully. And of course, if it does get serious, and it will get serious for many, many people, go and get help. You, you need to dig out then. You can't, you can't change, you can't change the neurotransmitter on your own, basically. You need someone to help you. 
you hit the nail on the head there, uh, Luke, about a very important term, emotional agility, you know, to really appreciate the full range of, of human experience. It's normal to appreciate feelings of of, of anxiety or stress yeah. or fear. But as you said, just don't get stuck in them. Um, learn yeah. how to bring more flow and more more joy and more fulfillment into your everyday life. That, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and again, the good thing is a lot of this was kind of known by the ancients. Like they knew meditation yes. was good, obviously. And they, they kind of got that empirically just by doing it and realizing it. But now neuroscience is catching up with all that, basically. And it, it, it's sort of a providing more and more evidence for these things. But that's really robust. Yes. So there has been years of quackery, as you know, as well, market nonsense out there, too, you see. Mm. So, so we like a firm scientific basis for these things. And we're heading in that direction for definitely. Yeah, sometimes people say to me, Luke, you know, um, you know, I'm getting getting me in to speak to an organization, but they say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a skeptic. And I say it's good to be skeptical because scientists, the best scientists are skeptical. So they look for the evidence. They look for the science. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be a scientist, you have to be skeptical if you're a scientist, because yes. most stuff is probably not correct or, or, or there's issues with it. Let's put it that way. You know, so you need evidence. And then, of course, it's all based on the data, which is why I became a scientist, I think. I love seeing evidence for things, strong evidence for something. And then I feel a bit more comfortable. You know, it's that kind of what, what other evidence, Luke, has really caught your attention in terms of oxytocin? So you spoke about like petting, petting an animal. Um, yeah, doing a good deed. I mean, oxytocin. Yes. Kindness. Evidence that it was, I think oxytocin was first seen or early work and it was, it was a nursing mother. Mm. So, so, so she had a rush of oxytocin and the baby had a rush. And that made them bond. It's kind of a botany. It's a feel-good hormone that allows us to socially bond with each other. You know, so any activity that enhances social engagement in a positive way will boost oxytocin, and there'll be a feed-forward loop then to get even more. Doing a good deed, amazingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, we've known that through thousands of years, haven't we? In giving, we receive type thing. You know, that that boosts oxytocin as well. You see, and then any kind of affection or or um or positive social engagement, let's put it that way, will boost oxytocin levels. Is the idea. It's really incredible how, you know, the fMRI scans and how the how the science, the neuroscience is really supporting probably some of the oldest ideas from, you know, from wisdom and from philosophy about gratitude and about kindness. Exactly. Presence. And it's a bit like the ancients knew which herbal remedies worked as well, by the way, just by observing. Yes. Willow bark is Myers inflammation. So the willow bark was known to be anti-inflammatory. Next thing is put a salicylic acid, someone in the 1880s purifies the chemical, and then they make aspirin out of that, you know? So the ancients mm. had these things. And then, of course, they also knew about things like meditation and all those sorts of things. And as mm. you say, the, the, the core, the core uh, message in most religions is be nice to each other, let's face it. And that's going to have a feed-forward effect on, on, on our mood and on our, our well-being, you know? So you're right, the ancients kind of, were, were, they, they knew, it the, they, were, they were the same as us, by the way. We're no different to people who evolved 200,000 years ago, really, you know? Yes, so they, were, they were very good at observing things, you know, and, and, yes. and, and they could observe these things just just by, uh, as I say, empirical means. I guess I, sp- I suppose wisdom wisdom is is pretty timeless, isn't it, Luke? It is. That's we all we all hope to achieve. <laughs> you strike me as not just being a very um, optimistic person, Luke, um, full of curiosity, I suppose, and creativity as as a scientist, but you also strike me as as someone that's quite grateful. Uh, is gratitude important to you? Oh, it is, I think, very much so, yeah. And in fact, I learned that as a scientist, to be honest, because it's never one person as a scientist. You know, it's always a team of people. Yes. And you get helped by collaborators. You get helped by your mentors. 
And when you're a young scientist, you try and claim it all for yourself. <laughs> oh, I did this. You know, as I got older, I, I realized that's a bit of an asshole approach to things. You know, you should be, you should always mention the people who helped you. Yes. Because it's the truth, you see. Mm. And, and, and you can't be taught speaking the truth, can you? You know, so, so every chance I got, I thank people uh, for helping me because it wouldn't be here. my lab behind me here. There's 15 people. Out there. They're doing all the donkey work. You know? <laughs> so you got to thank them at every every chance you can get. And, and that probably causes an oxytocin burst as well, you see, because, because yes. you're doing the right thing there. You know, I'm sure oxytocin and the, the other neurotransmitters are positive are about doing the right thing. So there's no doubt that gratitude is critical. And then I had a chance as well to thank my parents on telly you know, a few weeks ago in a, in a documentary. And that was very important to me because they yes. were supportive when I was young, you know. And I thought that was good because it would encourage other parents watching maybe that they're doing a good job with their kids, maybe that kind of thing, you know. So it's all about that kind of uh, approach, I guess, is what I like. Well, I think it's a wonderful approach, Luke. And, you know, I think um, everyone can benefit from being appreciated. I've never seen anyone in my my practice who who was suffering from over-appreciation, you know. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> In terms of resilience, Luke, you know, and, and building that sort of, I suppose, creative mindset of, of resilience and, and and grit and being able to reframe and so on. Could you give our listeners three take homes for a resilient mind? Whoa, now there's a, there's a good one to ask. Yeah. A resilient mind. Number one, um, this is this is me now thinking on my feet here or sitting down. Sure. Uh, have a, if you have a mission and you know where you're headed to, right? And you really believe in that mission, you'll take the knocks and pick yourself up. So, so I think it's very important to say, why am I doing this? Why am I? And it can be anything. It can be caring for an elderly relative. It can be when they discover a cure for cancer, whatever it is. Keep reminding yourself of the mission, and, and then that will get you back up on the horse again. So I think that's one very important trait for resilience. I think the, the second one I would say is use your, use your support network. Really important. And, and as scientists, we have an often people don't realize, you, you know, of course, but we have many collaborators and camera and comrades and we're very social actually. So when I go to a conference, if I'm feeling a bit down about some science or some experiment, I'll talk to one of my peers and, and they might encourage me. You know? So I think you can't be having a strong network if you can get it around you. It can be one person, it can be a team of you, whatever it is. So, 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 so you know, I guess what we call that using your support network will help you build resilience as well. Because yet again, we all have down days. We all get distracted you know having people to help you get back up on the horse is the second thing i would say second feature of resilience and uh, the third is the very things we've been talking about if you get a good night's sleep or you look after yourself and exercise it's been well known that that enhances your mental state in a way and then you can handle the knocks better you know yes and i think i think sleep is a, as you know a really important thing and i'm sure you've been t- telling your patients for years a bad night's sleep is such a negative especially because on then you're going to feed a bit irritable you'll get something that wouldn't otherwise annoy you, it would annoy you that day because you're a bit tired. Next thing, then you find yourself getting very stressed about it and that, that kicks you, you know, and then your resilience is hit by that. So I think that, that general well-being part is, is a third thing I think is very useful. Fantastic. And finally, Luke, for you, what's the meaning of life? Oh, now, there is the number 42, Mark. Remember that famous book? They <laughs> <laughs> put all the data. I think it was... I think it was um, they put all the data into the computer and they spat out 42. Um, the meaning of life, that's a really good question to ask, obviously. You know, I would say uh, try to achieve a thing called Ikigai. Have you heard of this thing called Ikigai? Yes. It's a Japanese philosophy, right? So you will have a meaningful life if you, if you have the following things in your life. Now, it's difficult to get them. I'm not saying it's not. 
have some kind of purpose that's really important. Now, whatever that might be, it can be any job at all, actually, will help others in various ways. But have some kind of purpose. Do something that the world needs. And again, that can be anything too, right? Number three, make sure you get paid for it because that's got to, you know, keep the wolf from the door territory as well. And if you, if you get those three, and then number four, actually, in the Ikigai thing is uh, do something you're good at. Now, that's a tricky thing to find, but if you're young, you'll eventually find some skill you've got. It can be anything. If you're a musician, for example, you're really good at that. You've got to play that music. It's almost like a compulsion. You know, the world needs music. You will get paid for it. And the purpose is to enhance people's lives. And if you have all that, you will get great meaning in your life. And again, that was the ancients. Ikigai, I think, is an Eastern philosophy. So, so the meaning of life is to try to achieve those various things in your life. And if you achieve those things, you will find meaning. And that then will give you great sucker, you know, to carry on and keep mm. doing things. So there, there's, a, there's a complicated answer for you. I think it's, it's those various things combined. Luke, I think that's, that, that's a great answer. And I think it's a great way to end our podcast conversation this morning. I want to wish you every possible success going forward. Keep leading, keep inspiring, keep living your own ikigai in all that you do, Luke. It's been an absolute pleasure having you in the doctor's chair. Lovely. Thanks very much, Mark. That was great fun. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.